This is iFanboy Media Splode, episode 18. <laughs> I like the, the pause. <laughs> I love that you were, you were one word before it when you realized you had no idea what that number was. It, it is 18, but I wasn't tired. I'm sure. talking, and I don't know why. Oh, 18. That's great. It starts with an earthquake. Birds and snakes and airplane. Lenny Bruce is not afraid. I have a hurricane. Listen to yourself. Turn world to its own needs. Dummy, serve your own needs. Beat it up an ox. Speed grunt. No strength. The ladder starts to clatter with fear. Fight down. High wire in a fire. Representing seven games in a government for hire in a combat site. Left to us to come in a hurry with the furies beating down. Hello, welcome to my fanboy media explode episode 18. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and I'm here with Josh Flanagan. Hello. And Ron Richards. Hello. How you doing, my friends? And this is a show unlocked by the patrons at patreon.com slash ifanboy who unlocked this monthly media show in which we talk about things we've been enjoying outside of the world of comic books, the non-comics media that we like to watch or listen to, whatever we feel like talking about. And uh, thanks for the patrons for unlocking us. We, did, we enjoy doing yeah. it. And before we get started, I don't know about you guys, but I, I really, really enjoyed the response to our last episode and the folks who appreciated the uh, old men talking old movies segment yes. that we introduced and, and the people who both also enjoyed American Graffiti and the discussion. So I just wanted to thank everybody for enjoying what we did. That, that was a, it, 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 was, it was a treat for my day when the <laughs> podcast came out and so many people were like, this is great. Good. Yeah, I liked it. As we talked about last time, we'll bring it back. At some point, once a quarter or so. Yeah, when we don't have something, anything else to talk about. Yeah. I really, I mean, I, I still got to, I got to, I'm, I'm on my viewing plans is Chinatown after finishing The Big Goodbye. I would love to talk to you guys about that. We can have that meeting off the show. Okay. Let's start as we always do with what we've been enjoying since we last spoke on this show. And I'll start. I never start. I have a lot to go over here, but I'll try to make it quick. Wow. So I've been doing my Fast and the Furious watch and I am two movies shy of the 10 they've put out so far. There's been nine regulars and one spinoff, and I have two left. I'm going to watch the spinoff Hobbs and Shaw right after we finish recording, and then I'll have all I have left is F9, and I have a lot of thoughts on these films, and I'm looking forward to talking about them next month when I'm finally finished the saga. The thing is, it's a very fleeting bunch of movies, so by the time we get to next month, you'll be like, oddly, I've forgotten it. <laughs> <laughs> I know that it's about family. It's about family, and we've created a family drinking game, but I'll get into all that next time. I've also been watching Heels on Stars. Heels mm. is Stephen Amell, who was Green Arrow on the Arrow wow. show. His new show, it's on the Stars Network. They're about, I think, four or five episodes into the season as we just record this. And it's about a small regional wrestling federation in a small town in Georgia that his family runs. It's actually really, really good. I would not have predicted you watching that. I've, I've heard that it's good. I didn't plan on it, but I really like him. He is really lovely. And yeah. we all grew up watching wrestling. Yep. Josh still watches it now with his kids, but I haven't watched it since I was a teenager. But we all grew up loving it. Oh, Heels. Heels. Sorry. Heels. Yeah. <laughs> Just the villains. So, you know, so this is a small town, and they run this wrestling federation, and it's, you know, it's not their primary job. So, like, Stephen Amell's character sells lawnmowers during the day, and then he runs this wrestling federation in, in the weekends. And it's this interesting look at this small town. They're sort of celebrities in the town, but they're all broke. Him and his brother have this fraught relationship because their father, who started the organization, died right before the show started. And that's a major plot point. And so there's sort of the prodigal son plus the ne'er-do-well son. And that's a great cast. It's Mary McCormick and Chris Bauer from The Wire. A bunch Sabatka. of really good actors who you've seen before in other things. Sort of this strange small town theater they put on every weekend. And it becomes sort of the town's 
entertainment. You know, they've come to follow the story. It's 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 a really compelling show, and the, everyone on is great. And I would recommend if you like Stephen Amell, you like wrestling. There's no other prestige dramas on right now. Really, you'd put in the prestige drama category. Yeah, I would. Yeah, it's definitely a prestige. Just because I didn't, I didn't. When you said wrestling and stars, that's not what I pictured. So that just—it's just, as much about wrestling as Ted Lasso is about soccer and Friday Night Lights is about football. No, know? I don't mean that. I just mean like I had pictured a cheaper sort of. No, no, it's not at all. It's, it's definitely a prestige show. Huh. Stars has a couple. They have you know Outlander and a couple other shows. I thought Outlander was on Stars. Cinemax. No, it's on Stars. No, that. What's the other? There's a. Another Kirkman show on... Kirkman has that priest one. Yeah, yeah. On yeah. Cinemax. That's on Cinemax. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. How long did that last? It did a whole season. Outcast, right? It was Outcast, one yeah. Yeah. That wasn't as much of a, uh, a sensation. It didn't like the world on fire like The Walking Dead. Anyway, yeah, yeah. it's really I mean, terrific. And, and Ron, as someone who liked him on Arrow, he's good. He has a very particular style. It's still the same style, but I think he's really charming. And it gives him more chance to be funny in this one. Yeah. Every episode reveals more of the characters and more of the town and more of the world and it's like peeling an onion and it's gotten more compelling with each episode cool i've also been watching mccartney 321 on hulu you guys watch this at all oh is that the rick rubin thing yes yeah and uh, i'm not a big mccartney fan so i've stayed away it's eight episodes they're half hour black and white i'm halfway through it how much is dave Grohl in it it's just (laughs) the two guys and occasionally see a cameraman in the background and it's just them in a studio they're either in front of a mixing table or they're in front of a piano and they go over the songs, and there's a little bit of Beatles history in it. They can't really get away from that, but it's mostly about the music. And what they do in this is, what I always find fascinating is, you know, they have the songs on the mixing board, so they they have the tracks. So they will take out the vocals and just listen to the music, mm-hmm. or they'll take out the music yeah. and listen to the vocals, or they'll drop the bass from While My Guitar Gently Weeps and totally change that song, or they'll just let you listen to the baseline of sergeant pepper and you realize holy shit that's like a f- modern hip-hop beat they've got in that song like it's they really sort of sort of go through each and it's like oh this you know what you guys do here let's drop out the audio and someone's like well these the vocals and that it's not that great but with the music it sounds good so it's like a really interesting look at the music itself it's really it sort of drills down deeply in the music and you know there's one episode where paul talks about how he learned to play piano without being able to read music and he sort of goes through how you know, you learned one chord, then you learned two chords, and it was really—it's been really interesting, sort of from a process standpoint. Josh, I think you'll really like it. Uh, have you of you checked out um, "Watch the Sound" with Mark Ronson on Apple TV? No, no. It sounds very similar in a way. Or Mark Ronson, the producer. Didn't he just marry somebody? I don't know. <laughs> he did. Grace Gummer—that's who he did. Uh, Meryl okay. Streep's daughter. Yeah. Okay. Well, he—you know—he produced a bunch of Amy Winehouse stuff, and was the the giant hit that I can't remember yep. the name of that everybody Uptown Funk, and like so the first episode is he talks about Auto Tune, and how you know originally it was supposed to be this one thing, and then you know it became this sort of pariah of a thing, but it was also hip, and how it has changed with the usage and blah blah blah. And the second one was all about reverb, and it reminds me a lot of that Dave Grohl Foo Fighters show. In that I liked a lot of it, but I don't really like listening to the person talking. You know, like there's a lot of great <laughs> did, things. Did, in did it. Dave Grohl run over a dog that you owned or something? Like I don't. I'm very curious as to why uh, you suddenly don't. Don't like get Dave me Grohl. started on Dave Grohl. Uh, I love him. I think he's terrific. It's because he's the one who's putting himself in the center of everything. 
Yeah, he makes he makes it all about himself. He's decided that he is the Paul McCartney of our generation, as in the same way that Paul McCartney decided that they are the only ones that can talk about music in any regard in the documentary format. I feel like those are both you guys projecting. But we're going to move on to my last show. I think that we're projecting different things on him. Yes, (laughs) but I think you're both projecting. So the last show I want to talk about, which is the most exciting thing I'm watching right now, is also on Hulu. Only murders in the building. Ah, no, that's my thing. I'm talking about. Let's talk about it together. Let's talk about it. No, don't steal my thing. Don't steal my thing. No, no, no. Don't talk about it. It's my right. thing. Well, when you talk about oh. it, I'm also going to talk about it. Cause it's okay, sounds good. Thing. That was my one. Th- I brought one thing. I, you, you're bringing a million things. I brought one thing, and that's all I brought. Well, then, Ron, why don't you go then? Why don't you talk about it? <laughs> no, I'll go after Josh. Okay. I want to make you wait for it. <laughs> oh, I didn't bring a thing. Josh, what have you been watching? Uh, I'll talk about two things. Neither of them are TV shows because you don't want to hear about the Bobby Knight documentary I just watched from five years ago. I could, though. I have an Audible subscription that I use quite a bit. In fact, I usually listen to that instead of podcasts these days. And there's a section of it that is just like library stuff that you can take out. And I saw that the Jaws novel was on there. And I've never read the Jaws novel, despite it being my favorite film or one of, you know, in that area. I always sort of avoided the novel because I didn't want to think of it when I watched the movie. You know, where you're just like, oh, they're supposed to be having an affair. So I, I listened to the whole thing and I went through it and it was very compelling in the same way. And, and there's a lot of stuff that, like, first of all, my main takeaway was that the movie was much better. And yeah, it was much yeah. better by leaving a lot of things out, which is, you know, not always the case. It's the art of editing. There's a good story there, but you got to edit out all the extraneous mafia and, and Yeah, which Peter eventually does not do. You know that thing where, you know, you'd be reading a book and something's going on and then the scene starts to end and you don't have to listen to what the character says to the next character because they've already been discussing it and so you cut at that point you know it's get out of the scene early get into the scene late benchley's having none of that you are listening through every conversation any character has and that said i thought his dialogue was really good I thought his characterizations were great. They're much more in-depth than in the movie. But at the same time, every single person in that movie is an asshole. Like, there's no heroes there. Every single person is awful. I did not know that Hooper was going to die. <laughs> so, He's supposed to die in the movie, yeah. too. No, I get it. Like, he goes down in the cage, and I'm like, all right, here we go. And then, they're like, and then he was eaten. No shit. Okay. And then I kind of, like, from that point, I was like, I don't really know what's going to happen after this. And then, I guess, one of the, like, I don't know if this is a spoiler, but that's 50 years old. So, you know, the movie ends is that, you know, smile, you son of a bitch, and he shoots it, and the shark blows up. That's not in the book, obviously. And then Hooper sort of swims back up, and they swim back. But basically, the shark is coming up the back of the boat. It's already bitten. Yeah, it's bitten uh, Quint in half. And it's just about to Brody, and then it sort of just dies and then slips backwards. And I was like, that's the end? And then he starts swimming home, and that's the end of the book. And I was like, wow. So to me, I was just like, well, Steven Spielberg and whoever the fuck wrote the movie, 19 people who all claim they have a part of it, like, they did a great job. <laughs> like, yeah, but the thing is, like, I'm just to defend Peter Benchley, I read this book in high school yes. college around this. It's fine. I liked it. It doesn't really it was, much It's not a bad novel. No, but no. It's not, it's but I would not say a, it's, it's like a great book. You, you had to have more than a novel, because if you took the story of the movie and put it into novel form, it would be really thin. Sure. No, absolutely. You have to put a lot more. I mean, like, ultimately, the movie is a better story because you don't need... Why is the mayor so freaked out about closing the town? Because he owes money to the mob. Like, you don't need that uh-huh. story in the movie. And, like, the dead cat in the garbage. It's a whole, whole deal. But 
it's really interesting. But I, I think the other thing is like this is one of the most successful novels of all time. Yeah, for sure. Like in terms of books, it's the other. And then other things I noticed there's there's certain bits of it that don't hold up terribly well to posterity. You know. Sure. On the scale of, ooh, this is a little uncomfortably racist. I'd put it at a four at certain parts. <laughs> well, it was a different time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But, you know, you're always looking at that. At the other hand, I also know that Benchley had also sort of, you know, people say that that book and that movie caused the deaths of more sharks, yep. you know, than the biosphere than anything in the world. And he feels terrible about that. And Benchley went on to be, you know, donate money and, a, a conservationist, and quite an yeah. ecologist and conservationist. You know, the, sh- the move, the, I'm sorry, the book wasn't really all that awful in terms of depicting wildlife in a certain way. It was pretty modern in its take on, like, this is just an animal that lives in there. You know, Hooper represented the sort of naturalist viewpoint of it. And I had expected it to be more backwards in sort of its thinking of our dealing with it. Wasn't nature, the, it wasn't so much the portrayal, it was just the, the outcome. Yeah, no, I know, I know. So it's almost like an unintended consequence yeah, rather sure. than anything else. Yeah, Yeah, I like that. And then if I'm just going to stick with audio really quick, I will say this last week because it's the 20th anniversary of Band of Brothers coming out. Connor actually pointed out a podcast, the Band of Brothers official podcast was coming from HBO, because HBO at some point figured out, we can do these cool podcasts, and they've, they've done really good ones. And so they're going to go through each episode, and there was a prologue episode, like a pilot, and it's like an hour-long conversation with Tom Hanks, who is the most engaging history professor you'll ever take a class with, yeah. oddly And enough. if you don't know, Band of Brothers was the miniseries he produced with Steven Spielberg, so Josh's Steven Spielberg block which came out 20 years ago, oh, yeah. about, about the EC company in World War II. So he was one of the producers and one of the writers and one of the directors of the miniseries. Yeah, and then the first episode came out to coincide with the 20-year-ago episode, and that's all about the first episode, but it's with Ron Livingston, and, and he talks. And uh, Ron Livingston, who I've never actually heard an interview with, is exactly the person you think Ron Livingston is going to be. <laughs> and it really, like, I, I heard it was coming out, and there's another podcast called Dead Eyes, and it's about a guy who... Yes had been cut from a bit part in Band of Brothers and it goes Oh, that's that's uh, one of my co-workers friends podcast. Yeah. Um Connor Ratliff. He was yeah, cut yeah. because yeah. Tom Hanks said he had dead eyes. Yes. Yeah. So it cut him. And I listened to a few of them and it's kind of interesting and apparently he had a bunch of people on but it goes dozens of episodes and I was like I can't listen to actors <laughs> yeah. whine about being actors. I can't do it. Yeah. There's interesting stuff in there. Connor Ratliff is the he they him and my coworker do a live stream or they did uh, the George Lucas talk show where he pretends to be George Lucas. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't bad. I just it it couldn't hook me and and the Band of Brothers stuff was kind of interesting. But the only problem with this podcast so far that I can tell is it has this British guy. He's a very famous TV guy. He's one of the Men in Blazers. Okay, well he's a little reverential. He's a bit much for me. But he really likes the show. and He, he hosts but, an incredibly popular show about English football. Of course he does. Yes. To me, I have a thing about interviews where if the person talking to the one that you're interviewing is being too reverential, it bothers me. That's like fair. I want it to feel yeah. like it's just two people having a conversation with, with a real gent. He's just, he's done so many things. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> just get over that part and talk to me about the thing. But the dude knows the show and loves it very much and... I've learned tidbits about Nixon and Captain Spears already. I'm pretty happy about it. So I'm, I'm all in. Yeah, I'm, I have it ready to go. The only hesitation I have is, as I told you when we were talking, yeah. is that I, I just know it'll trigger a rewatch. I know you just did a rewatch, so you don't need to. Yeah. I, well, I wanted to again. I was ready to throw on Tacoa this morning. And so I just don't like... have the time. So I have them <laughs> piling up on my podcast thing. And I'm just like, oh, shit, I got to figure it out. I'm saying it's the 20-year anniversary. You're going to have to do it at some point. This I year. want to. I just need to quit my job. 
they're doing one episode a week. So I you know. just do one episode a week as they go through it. Don't get behind. Don't get ahead. It's hard to stop at one. Let's talk about Ron's thing, which is also my thing. Oh, I'm not talking about it yet. So hold on. Let me oh, you said you had one thing. Well, no. Well, so I was going to say what we've been watching. It's been this pretty, whole thing is out of order. This it's been lie. pretty much a. Uh, you see, this is this is the dark side of not comparing notes before we start the show. We should probably start doing that. We should probably start doing that. I disagree. <laughs> pretty much in terms of of watching things for me and my wife, it's been literally the counting the minutes until Friday for the new episode of Ted Lasso. Right, which we'll cover when the season ends. Which I know we'll cover when the when the season ends. I, which I, I would totally know that, but I will say, and I know it's it's passe to say you know because so many people are talking about it, like so much so that my same coworker who's friends with the guy who does the podcast Dead Eyes made a T shirt that says No, I haven't watched Ted Lasso. In terms of like you know you know the snark of of it being overpopular. Does he go to places where people read T shirts still? I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> But I will say that the last three or four episodes have been some of the best TV I've seen all year. They're just sorry, can't wait until the season's over so we can do our full uh, yeah. talk through. But the new show that Connor stole from me earlier—that <laughs> that's not how this works—that my wife and I uh, started watching. They released the first three episodes when it came out, and it's a weekly release on Hulu. It is called "Only Murders in the Building," starring Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez. And what the premise is, is that all three of them live in a building on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. Upper West Side. Upper West Side? I thought it was Upper yeah, East Side. Yeah, no, it's based on the Ansonia, um, which is on 72nd oh, okay. Broadway. Oh, I thought it was yeah. the East Side. Oh, boy. But anyway, a death happens in their building. Uh, that's that's the cops issue as a suicide. They think it's a murder. They all happen to be fans of a true crime podcast, which kind of like maybe go, oh, but it, it works as a premise. Yeah. And the three of them come together to try to solve this murder. And at and the same do time, do, do a podcast. Uh, let me finish. All do right. A podcast. It's four more shows. We're doing this together like, <laughs> like a podcast. Do a podcast of their own. And it is just delightful. It's you know about a half an hour, you know, anywhere from twenty six to thirty five minutes. For those of you who are living under a rock from a comedy standpoint, know that you know Steve Martin, Martin Short, you know Three Amigos, you know classic whatever. But recently have been touring together. And Connor, did you watch their comedy special on Netflix? I haven't watched it, but I know they've been. I've oh. watched a lot of interviews with them talking about the tour. Together. Yeah, watch their comedy special on Netflix. That was, I mean, it was. It's kind of aimed for like our parents, but yeah. I still enjoyed it because I love Steve Martin. I love Martin Short. Yeah. Connor's basically the same age as I'm that demographic. Yeah. So Steve Martin plays a former or a current actor who was a cop on a cop drama in the 90s on a show called Brazos. Yeah, like basically like is, a 90s procedural cop show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then Martin Short is a aging Broadway director. Yes. Very flamboyant. And then Selena Gomez is a millennial whose aunt lived in the building and she grew up visiting and has a lot of history with the building. And... It seems bizarre that, you know, Steve Martin and Martin Short, you know, in their 70s would team up with Selena Gomez, but it works, it works somehow. Really well. yeah, it, works, it, works it works really well. well. Yeah. And, you know, at least Steve Martin and Martin Short are, you know, being very much their expected versions of themselves. Yeah. You know, but it's very sharply written. Next to Ted Lasso is my favorite thing on TV right now. Hmm. It makes me miss living in a building in Upper West Side. Like, it's very much that building culture. What's great is they all have secrets. And yep. some of the secrets are more important than others. Like Steve Martin's secret is maybe not as big a deal as Selena Gomez's secret. And they all get to play differently. Martin Short is sort of the breakout. I mean, not a breakout star, but he's sort of the becoming the, <laughs> his character is becoming sort of the breakout character of the show. 
he gets to play all kinds of stuff from sort of manic Martin short funny to really sad and emotional stuff. Yep. It's really funny. It's just really yeah. funny. And the thing is, is that they, they do play into the fact that Steve Martin and Martin Short are in their 70s and Selena Gomez is in her 20s. Like, yeah. there's one exchange where they're, Steve Martin and Martin Short are saying they need to get in touch with her. And they're like, should I call her? And Martin Short's like, I think they get upset by calls. Right? Which is, right? And then there's also, like, they show the text when they text each other and Steve Martin writes it like an email. Right? <laughs> so, like, which is, you know, kind of easy jokes, but they, they, they do work and they are funny. And what's also interesting is that, like, for me, Selena Gomez was the like what really the third or fourth episode there was a string of dialogue that she had where I was like oh she really impressed me she's really good on it held her own amongst those two guys and the murder mystery that they're investigating has got twists and turns and it you know pulls you in and you there's definitely something there Tina Fey plays the host of the podcast that they're all fans of they added Sting to the cast he lives in the building yeah. <laughs> and he was a suspect right four episodes have come out so far and it's going to be a ten episode series so yeah, I mean, I'm Connor. I'm so glad because I, I was yeah. coming here tonight to tell you if you're not watching this, no, you need to watch it. So it's my favorite thing yeah. after Ted Lasso that I watched. Yeah. We were so excited. It's on Tuesdays. 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 Yeah. Tuesdays. Out, yep. Yeah. Yeah. The problem with streaming, other than for a lot of problems, is like I don't know when things are out. You know, for a while it was like only like certain days, like Fridays was when the shows came out. Now it's like, oh right, yeah. Tuesdays is when Little Mermaid. But it, it's a great. It's a great show. And they're, it, they're terrific together, and they're sort of old masters at everything. And Steve Martin uh, is the best actor of the three, but they're all really good at it. And it's so funny because my wife was like a little hesitant because Martin Short doesn't really do it for her in the same way that he does it for me. Mm-hmm. But she even said that like four episodes in that it is not what she expected from his performance that he doesn't annoy her as much as she thought he's he would. Great. Like, he's really, he's really so great good. on it. He's been great, yeah. They're shooting in New York, so they get like Nathan Lane does a small role in it, and Amy Ryan has a small role yep. in it. You get a lot of great New York actors are showing up in it. Everything about it's terrific so far. Yeah, I'm really into it. Now, before we move on, I will say that I, in a feeling of nostalgia, looked at the fall 2021 TV preview, and I do got to say, like for the first time, I feel like in a couple of years, there's actually a lot of really good TV coming this fall. Oh, I haven't even looked at it yet. Everything's so screwed up. It's hard, to your point, Connor, because everything's screwed up because in these fall TV previews that you see other people mix, like it used to be like, what are the new shows on the networks, right? right. That used to be like, I used to live for that, right? And the past couple of years, you throw in streaming services and you throw in premiere TV like HBO and SARS or whatever else might, you know, might be. The concept of fall doesn't matter anymore. Well, even for networks, what's screwed up is COVID. So like, yeah. you know, it used to be all the shows ended at the same time, but now like... Supergirl got fucked up by COVID, so it's just sort of a quarter of the way through the season right now. The shows are all staggered at the moment because of all the COVID delays, so that's why the the, the network schedule. I haven't even looked at it because it's all screwed up. But so, so so real quickly, just a quick rundown of the shows that I'm excited to be watching that I'll probably be talking about here next month and moving on. But so, Scenes from a Marriage on HBO is starting soon. God, I don't As that time of this recording, by the time you listen to this, it'll have already started. Uh, Oscar Isaac, Jessica Chastain, HBO, looks fantastic. Why the Last Man, comic fans, yep. in September. This week. It doesn't count as fall TV, but like the next Ken Burns documentary is about Muhammad Ali, which mm-hmm. even Josh said is up his alley. I'm very curious about the Wonder Years yep. uh, new yep. series. Uh, that should that. be interesting. As I yelled about you guys in our in our uh, Slack chat, I found out that Lee Pace is in Foundation on Apple TV Plus, which now means I got to watch Foundation because I love mm-hmm. Lee Pace. Succession is coming back, which is yep. awesome on HBO. Are you current on that? Oh yeah, I'm totally current. Okay, yeah. Josh, so. you, you've never watched it. I'm current. Oh, you're yeah. current. Oh, we're all current. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then on the streaming side, the Boba Fett series is coming later, at least in December. That's later on. That's not fall. <laughs> that's that's not fall. Yeah. Yeah. Did you air quote around Boba Fett? No, it is Boba Fett. I mean, well, it, it, it's the same actor. It's not well, Boba Fett. It's yeah. the same actor from the prequels. It's Boba yeah, Fett of Earth Good point. Good point. Not Jerry Mulk. Yeah. Um, the one thing I am curious about, and I wanted to get your guys' thoughts of, have you have you looked in at all into Amazon's uh, Wheel of Time? I watched the, the trailer. I'm a friend of one of the writers, so I'll probably watch for that reason. I'm only vaguely aware of it, but yeah. vague, aware enough so that I was like, I'll check that out. Because if it's good, it would yeah. be great. But yeah. if it isn't, then it Amazon's won't. going all in on like prestige, big fantasy between this yeah, and Lord of the Yeah, because they, hey. they wanted to own the, the, the Game of Thrones kind of yeah. uh, you know, era. Do it. But I will say that at least the documentary event of the fall that, you know, kind of, kind of, kind yeah, of dovetailing off you is, is the Beatles get back on Disney Plus coming on Thanksgiving. Yeah. I have some insider information on what that is like, and it's going to be, I think you guys are really going to love it. Fall TV, it's, it's back. Who knew? <laughs> All right, so those are things we've been enjoying, either on TV or in our ears. So we thought for this week's discussion topic, we would take a look at disaster movies. And the question is why? And the reason is because we all enjoy them, but in particular, this is Josh's not guilty Milieu? pleasure. Because you're not guilty about it, but no. as the TV, film, movie, comic snob that you admit to being. Sure. You get into the muck with the rest of us over disaster movies. For me, I really is a natural disaster movie. That's key. Right. And so that, as I'm looking at these lists, you know, what counts and what doesn't to me is, is a fairly clear line. But the more cliches exist in one of these movies, the better. And that is not a so bad it's good. It's that you're just supposed to hit these things, just like any horror movie. Suppo- you know, the girl's supposed to look in the closet, even though you know it would be really stupid to do so. You know, there's certain things that when they do them in these movies, it's what makes them great. And that doesn't mean they, it doesn't mean that any of them are, you're watching them and you're going to go, that's going to be great because it's like this. But if, if it does all the things right, it is, it's just delightful. What is it that touches you so much? I like films that have no villain. So the, prote- so the protagonist... The world is the villain. Working. Yeah, things you can't really handle. So it's not like you're, you're fighting somebody or going against somebody screwing you over. I, I, you know, I don't know. It is, it is one of those things that I, I think it's, in my mind, like that's, those are the things that are really scary, but you can't think about them because you have no control over it, and it could happen at any moment. And I find that to be a really visceral sort of thrill kind of thing. And then I just sort of got into it because I... It's interesting to watch, like, how do these people envision the world we know being destroyed? Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes it's really ridiculous. So in your case of 2012, like, it's super ridiculous. And then there's, you know, San Andreas, which goes the whole gamut of being super ridiculous to kind of not in parts. You know, by the end, it's, it's way over the top. The same thing day after tomorrow. I guess a little ridiculous. This is good. But then on the other side of it, you've got a movie like The Impossible which is a true story about the uh, tsunami in Phuket uh, in Thailand, you know, and it's as frightening as all the other ones, if not more. But, you know, if you didn't know what had happened, you'd think that's ridiculous. It wouldn't happen. More recently, you've got Gerard Butler's Greenland. That's probably the best one I've seen recently. Ron, where do you stand on these kind of movies? Uh, I enjoy them. I I wouldn't list it on, like, like, it's not one of my Jeopardy categories. Let's just say that. Okay. Which I think is fair, but you know, there was a time in my life where, like, I saw Twenty Twelve in the theater. You know, like I, you know, I saw Armageddon in the theater. Like, like I do love a good asteroid drama. Sure. And I, I respect the '70s contribution to the mm-hmm. genre. Towering Inferno. T- uh, Towering Inferno. Poseidon Adventure. Yep. Some real classics there. Towering Inferno is actually—I don't know if it's a natural disaster movie. 
Tower Inferno is a disaster movie. It's a disaster. It's not a natural disaster. But right, yeah, right, yeah. yeah but, no, it's but I think I'm counting it in the genre. It's yeah. Fine. There's something about the desperation and, like, the clock in a disaster mm-hmm. movie. Like, you know that, like, something, you know something's coming and something's happening and you're watching the reaction and the waiting for it and the anticipation. I do enjoy that aspect of it. And actually, while talking about this and looking at these lists, I'm like, ooh, there's a lot of disaster movies I haven't seen that I would like to see. You know, like, I'm very curious about 1936 San Francisco, which uh, stars Clark Gable before the 1906 earthquake. Wow. The earliest recognized disaster film was a movie called Fire in 1901. So, hmm, Josh, the first weird. recognized disaster film was just about a building that being on fire. So, I think... It's very Which ingrained. Was much scarier in 1901. In the in the in the idea of disasters, but I think the first large scale disaster movie is the movie Ron just mentioned, which was San Francisco, yep. 1936. Clark Gable. I've seen it. It's, I've never seen Fire, but I've seen San Francisco. Is it good? Yeah, it's, it's really good. And it's you, you're following these characters. People are in love and doing business, and in, in the middle of the movie, the earthquake happens, and it's it's actually pretty terrifying the way it's staged. So these kind of films, the idea that. We cower before nature or a, a natural disaster or a fire that we can't control is ingrained in film itself. Yeah. You know, as far back as we can go to, in, into film. And as a kid, you know, I've watched Towering Inferno several times. And there's just something, you know, suffocating about the idea that there's nothing you can do. You know, it's sort of like you can't defeat Darth Vader or you can't shoot the shark. It's just there's this world that you can't. Does Towering Inferno have Ernest Borgnine? Or is that That's Poseidon Adventure? Poseidon Adventure. Poseidon Adventure. Poseidon Adventure. Yeah, right. yeah. Towering Inferno has a shit ton of Towering Inferno has Steve McQueen and Paul Newman and William Holden and Faye Dunaway and yeah. Fred Astaire and Richard Chamberlain and O.J. Oh, yeah. Simpson. Fred Astaire's last film. And Robert Vaughn and Robert Wagner. Like, that was the thing in the 70s was to do the star-studded disaster film. And this does the classic, probably. The, Dabney Coleman's in it. Yeah. Oh, I love Dabney Coleman. Barely. He's got a very <laughs> tiny part at the end. <laughs> that's what, a classic. I'm just These people are in a very big building and it's on fire. And that's almost... To me, more terrifying than like, you know, what were those two dueling asteroid films in, in the 90s? Um, uh, Deep Impact and Armageddon. Those things may happen, but large buildings catching on fire does happen. And so, that, you know, to put yourself in that position is, is terrifying. It also is one of those things where they did their best back then. Yeah. And I think Towering Inferno works. But really, until CGI became really pretty. Explodes after that. Once yeah. Independence Day happens, which is... Sort of a side disaster movie. It's an alien it's invasion movie, sci-fi. but yeah, that's that's sort of what blows the doors out. So then you get like Twister. The I, love Twister. I love Twister. Tomorrow, Tomorrow, yeah. and Deep Death Impact and Armageddon. Same people who did, yeah. yeah. So let me ask you a question. Doing a lot of research on disaster films, you know, it seems to be a lot of the the you know the bloggers and the you know like whatever uh, you know that that cover this stuff all give praise and give the number one disaster film as Titanic. Uh, and I really I'm curious how Josh feels about that. I guess it it's is. It's a disaster I don't really film. Think of that. No, it is, Technically, I, and, it, and yeah. it's a good movie. I, I don't think it's. I just. I don't think about it's it. It's not in the, the genre that Josh is thinking of, like the man-made, the, the, the man-made. Sort of, no, no, not not even that. Just this sort of like it's a romance over the yeah. top. It revels in the the genreness of it. You know, it's, it doesn't have the rock like, surfing a wave in his little boat, right. To save his family. And the, and the main thrust oh, that of was that great. movie... That's a great moment, too, by the way. The main thrust of that movie, the story, is a love story yeah. that is taking place in the middle of the disaster. Whereas, like, you know, The Day After Tomorrow, 2012, the story is get the fuck away from everything. Right. right. I think that's the difference. You know, that being said, you know, you got to give it the technical credit. Oh, yeah. It's a hell of a thing to look at. It's a hell of a research thing. But it's in the sort of real life one. It's not trashy. No. Which I use as a descriptor, but not in a negative way. Mm-hmm. 
2012 is trashy, but awesome. Yeah. And so is San Andreas. And, 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 so and be honest with you, after when it came out in, I presume, 2012, maybe 2011, I wasn't into it. You hadn't learned about it yet. You hadn't found I had it. Yeah. But then when I went back, I was like, oh my God, you gotta be kidding. So to me, like the ones that really got me started were 2012 and the day after tomorrow. And then Geostorm? That's not good. And also, <laughs> but you it liked is, it, it though. That's, uh, I don't know. I think it's actually, I think it might be too bad. It's also science based. It's this yeah. bad guy. Yeah. It's not, it's not a thing that happened that we can't control. Got it. It's um, not Alec Baldwin. Um, Andy Garcia? Uh, Andy Garcia, who is telegraphed so poorly in the trailer as to be like, there's the bad guy. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just hacky, but not a good way. And also they're fun. Yeah. There's got to be a fun aspect to it. Titanic yeah. is sad. Oh, Titanic. I mean, I, I, I will say I actually, I just, I like Titanic. Titanic I, and I think about it. I think about it often. It's a great, great film, movie. but it's Accompl- sad. It's an accomplishment. It's a sad movie. Yeah. The Perfect Storm also is like a great film, but it's sad because those people really died. Whereas I don't get sad about people dying in the day after when somebody gets, you know dies in a thing. I don't get sad about it. But this, the staying power is, for me, like I, I will have used GIFs from both Titanic and Twister in the past two weeks. Like sure. going back in my tech, you know, like... like, oh, I like, think Twister's like, a twist- perfect example of yeah. this. See, I'm not fully behind what Connor's saying in that the perfect storm, the impossible, the, the finest hours, Deepwater Horizon, they're silly, but they're one side of it that I like because it's it's almost like whatever the whatever the disaster equivalent of hard sci-fi is are those movies. I don't think they're silly movies. Uh, no, not silly, but I like it. It's still the same sort of... Not a bad guy. We're fighting the forces. Of yeah, yeah. It's just different. Fit. They're different. They're, they're not. I, I, I'm just saying that Titanic is not the same as The Day After Tomorrow. They're both disaster no. movies, but one is a different kind of disaster movie. But to me, like I said, the main thing about Titanic is it's a romance movie. It's a love right. story that happens in the place of all these things. It's not reveling in being a disaster movie because it's a movie story about real people. Same thing with no. Perfect Storm. It's know? also just about Jim Cameron's obsession with this ship sure. that he refers to without an article. I'll tell you guys that there was one New Year's Eve, our mutual friends, Gordon and Diane, were, were visiting, and we were going to go out. We were saying, oh, I want to go out. So we ended up, you know, making drinks and seeing what was on TV, and by some miracle on all the, you know, movie channels, we had ended up having a triple feature of 2012, The Day After Tomorrow, and San Andreas. Oh, that's pretty that's good. The, that's that's, that's pretty the good. modern holy grail right And there. it was possibly the best New Year's Eve I've ever had. Like, it was, you know... The, just have four friends hanging ones. out, laughing, drink, making drinks, watching these. Th- they're great disaster movies in a Crazy row. Crazy Woody Harrelson. Yeah, I mean they're That's just fun. They're re- it was really fun. It was one of the most fun times I've ever had because they're really fun. It allows you to play into your anxieties about the world, but also at the end, people survive. So humanity survives. But also, like like the thing about it is the basis of those things is some element of truth and place. So like in the day after tomorrow, they're in New York City. Mm-hmm. And it's real fucked up, but it's there. You've been there. I've been at that. Li- you know, you've been at the library. You're looking. You're like, okay, I can picture this thing being like this. It's silly, but like, it's just real enough. The wolves are kind of silly, but you know, the the bits where <sighs> think of the beginning of San Andreas, and they're in. You're, they're in. Not, or I, I guess they're all the middle before everything really starts to go. But you're in the middle of California, like in Modesto or wherever, and you're just like, oh, this is a real place, and this mm-hmm. is what would happen there. And the riots are going on, but at the same time. At one point, the Rock looks up and he's like, "We gotta get out of here." Like it, it's that's what I'm talking about. That's the kind of cliche you want. Right? There should always be a scientist of some kind. Sure. Who gets who killed has early? The realization. 
Yeah, and his eyes get big. <laughs> you know, and then nobody believes them. Well, I was just watching. <laughs> I was just watching the beginning of Deep Impact the other day, and it was the guy from American Graffiti who was the mm-hmm. uh, who was the uh, the astronomer who sees the asteroid yeah. coming and dies in a car crash. That's always the the uh, tragic irony in the, the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's, true. True. it's true. And then in in, in, um, in San Andreas, you watch Paul Giamatti goes out there with his research assistant, and I was like, oh, no, <laughs> it's a minority character at the beginning of a disaster. Oh, They're on no. the Hoover Dam. <laughs> get out of there. <laughs> Don't do it. And that's the other great thing is they tend to get really great actors to do bit parts in these disaster movies. It's true. Yeah. Because they pay them well. There's a lot of fun. So you end up with Paul Giamatti as the scientist cowering under a desk the entire movie while The Rock saves the day. Well, I will make a suggestion from the 70s batch of disaster movies. There's a box office failure that I only watched and discovered because there's a pinball machine based on it <laughs> called Meteor. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah, so uh, starring Sean Connery, Natalie Wood, Carl Malden, Martin Landau, Henry Fonda. Richard Dysart. Whoa, what is yep. this? Movie? Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's basically you know it's 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 deep impact and it's it's Armageddon. It's you know it's basically you know a late seventies version of a meteor coming to hit Earth for an extinction level event. So if you want to dip into the archive, Josh, watch this one because it's it is Sean not Connery good. is Doctor Paul Bradley. It is not good. It is <laughs> it, it is it is very much not good. I mean, there could be a limit. Yeah. It's, it's not to say there isn't. Well, it's, all, it's only 107 minutes. I mean, like, it, it's not long. I remember I watched it, me and my pinball friends watched it in all excitement because it's, it's like, it's the movie that this game is, ba- it's one of my favorite games of all time. It, it is not a good movie. But, uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but hey, you got, you know, Sean Connery and Natalie Wood. When was the last time you saw that, you know? Right. <laughs> Speaking of disaster films that you may not have seen, have either of you seen The Wave? I've never seen The Wave. Uh, is that the it's like Norwegian the European one? I think it was a Norwegian I disaster I movie, which ago. I saw it on Netflix a couple of years ago. Yes, yeah, I, I have, but I, I don't remember. Is it a true story? Well. No, no, they can't be. The story of it is basically like you know, they're just all the fjords in Norway, and in one of the fjords, yeah. uh, there's a rock slide that causes a giant tsunami that hits the village that's on the other side of the fjord. It's a Norwegian take on a disaster. I thought it was terrific. I thought it was really. I, I don't remember much about it, but I did watch it. Yeah. It also features like the scientist who gets killed in, you know, in the beginning yeah. when he realizes what's happening, and all the tropes are there. But there's no Norwegian he's, he's, he's uh he's Jor-El. <laughs> I mean, it's no. really there's a Jor-El character in all of them. Yeah, you, I was thinking that there is a split. There's the silly one, you know, and then there is the real, and then there's the stuff in between. So like the real, we were you know like the impossible, or even it goes so far as you ever seen the mountain between us. Idris Elba and, and Kate Winslet yes. are on a plane that, that crashes. Yes. And they, I love that. That was, that was great. Movie. That was really good. Or like the Everest movie, which isn't a great movie. but No, but the story is really compelling. Yeah, and I know that. So it was enough to be like, oh, I can watch this thing. Like I said, The Impossible is another really well, good Clint one. Clint Eastwood did one also about the tsunami with Matt Damon in it. Did he? Yeah. I watched nice. the I beginning of it. That. It was too much for me. The actual tsunami. Hereafter, it's called. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm, yeah. No shit, I don't think yeah. I knew what that was. It's, a, it's about the tsunami, or at least the aftermath yeah. of the tsunami, and the staging of it, and the, the, the depiction of it, it made me really start to freak out a little bit, so I had to stop watching huh. it. like, oh shit. Because <laughs> it, it pays on your, your deepest sort of primal fears about the world, Sure. and you're, you're being so in, ineffectual in that space. It's just like, this is, you know the tsunami comes to dead. was uh, Adrift. It's a few years old, Shailene Woodley, and like her and her boyfriend go on a sailboat, and then she gets caught like in a storm, and is that a disaster movie? Yeah, it's a small scale as natural disaster movie. 
Unstoppable. Unstoppable is a disaster mm. movie. Well, Unstoppable is a, a, a man-made disaster. It is a man-made right? yeah, one. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. That's fair. I mean, that's like, fair. Unstop- Unstoppable is a man-made disaster in the same way that Backdraft is. Yes. Yes. Backdraft, though, is a little bit about catching the killer. Right. It's not about the disaster itself. Right. right. Yeah, Whereas right. Unstoppable is stupid thing happens because of Ethan Suppley and TJ Miller. <laughs> stupid Ethan Suppley in that movie. And then everything after that yeah. is trying to contain the, the destruction. Yeah, no, yeah. That's, that's, you're right. That's fair. I'm looking on Wikipedia at their list of disaster films and they br- the, the different kind of categories they break out. They break out airplanes as one and they include Alive, which I don't like, I don't know if that's a disaster film. I mean, I know there was a plane crash and the survivors had to, eat, is, had to eat each other, but, but is that a disaster? Like, I feel like is, a disaster has got, for me, disaster has, I guess Titanic, I mean, but like widespread uh, results, you know, like massive loss of life. Well, then you have to eliminate a lot of films that Josh has mentioned. Yeah, that's no, yeah. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's different subgenres, and and the ones that you know you get into are probably I like. I like that corner of the sort of small, you know, man versus nature, man contained versus, disaster. Yeah. yeah, and then there's just the gigantic, holy shit, we're all gonna die one. Alive is also still it's it's drama about. I don't know. I never liked that. Alive is like more like a dinner party but... that goes really wrong for everybody. Yeah, well, how do you feel true. about true. how do you feel about pandemics? I was just going to say, I was going to say, yeah. man, the epidemic pandemic genre of disaster films really kind of hurts in that. Like Outbreak with Dustin. Well, I, I will say Andromeda Strain is like yeah. an amazing book. Michael Crichton, did an amazing book, Great but book. also amazing movie in 1971. But like, yeah, I don't know if I could watch an Outbreak or Twelve Monkeys or did like that. Did you guys watch Contagion? Yes, I never did. I watched I did. Contagion at the early in this whole thing yeah oh, no, i watched it when it movie. came out in the theaters in 2011 Jeez. i do like contagion's tagline nothing spreads like fear well the thing about contagion and this is a tangent but like it shows you the idea that we think that everyone's going to be really good at their job like it's the same kind of virus that we're dealing with yes, now and so you think yeah. in the fantasy world of this film the governments are going to all work together. Everyone's going to be, you know, really on top of it. Make sure we do the right thing. As opposed to now where we're, everyone's going to play it for political gain and everyone dies as a result. I did listen to, what, what was it, the Marin interview on WTF with, with Soderbergh where they talked about contagion. And he was just like, yeah, we got a lot right with that one. <laughs> like, it really like, did. It was, <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's weird. I remember yeah. seeing it. I think it was the Arclight Sherman Oaks. It was right after I moved to L.A. And... It was one of those things where you're watching the movie, it's deadly silent, and someone in the theater coughs, and you're just oh, like, man. oh, shit, I don't like that. And 10 years later, we would be fucked. We went to a concert last night, and we weren't sure if we were going to go, but it was like masks required through the whole thing, and everybody had to get their vaccination cards, and the people sitting next to us decided not to wear their masks, because they were drinking, I'm air quoting, and then they never put them back on, and the only time that at one point... He sneezed, and I was like, "You gotta be fucking kidding me!" Uh, so I'm sitting next to the guy who was sneezing and won't wear a mask. I ended up yelling at them. How'd that go? <laughs> I, I was just how'd that go over? <laughs> they never made another sound. <laughs> no, because they were whispering the whole time. And I turned and I said, "I haven't been to a fucking show in two years, and you will not stop whispering. What the hell is going on?" And well, they didn't look at me again. Nice. They didn't put their masks on, but I was like, "You gotta be fucking." Well, it wasn't like a loud rock it. show. <laughs> I couldn't look at them because that's why I was so pissed off, though. It was like the whole thing. Anyway, they sneezed. Here's a question. So of all these type of films, what's your go-to? What's the one you're like, I really want to watch this? Uh, we've even talked about like films like Volcano or Dante's Peak, which is the, your, yeah. your volcano natural disaster. I want those movies to be better. Or Airport. Yeah. I want Volcano Josh, and, and Dante's Peak. It's a Friday night. You, your wife and kids are out. You got nothing going on. 
Which one of these films are you going to put on? I feel like my immediate go-to is going to be The Day After Tomorrow. It's a Followed great one. closely by 2012. It is. Day After Tomorrow rides the line of silly and overly dramatic perfectly. Yeah. I think of that scene where they're walking. It's brilliant. Where they're on top of the mall. Yes, yes. And they're on the glass ceiling and the cracking is happening like in The Lost World. And, and they have to cut the rope and let the guy die. Yes. And he's a good guy. Oh, it's everything. You know, there's the thing that you said in Contagion, it's all about the world coming together. And right. that happens in 2012. That happens all like, these well, movies, yeah. We've said, fuck, what did I just read? We just, Connor, you and I just read a book. Last Ship Out? Yeah. No, the novel, Andy Weir novel. Oh, the Andy Weir novel, yes. Project Hail Mary. Yeah. Shit goes down, the whole world comes together one way or another, at least the governments do or whatever. And I love that part of it. I love that, you know, same thing with The Martian. Like, everybody's like, oh, shit's going wrong. We've all got to work together because it's the right thing to do. Now, that's fantasy, but that's the world I want to live in. It's the same thing that The West Wing gives me almost. So I like that part of it. And that happens in, you know, is it, what happens in, in The Day After Tomorrow doesn't happen, too. 2012, they all build the, the arcs. 2012, yes, yeah, the yeah. arcs. And, that, you know, I think that's, is it Deep Impact they do that or Armageddon, which I haven't. Deep Impact is the well, it, you know, it hits. <laughs> so, yeah. So they, yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't. They, Deep Impact's a really good movie. It holds up a lot better than Armageddon. Deep Impact's yeah. funny because it's was you know made in the mid '90s. Mimi Leader was the director. She was one of the ER directors. So it was full of like NBC actors, who at the time were on NBC really? TV shows. So, like just people from ER in it. There's people who were on sitcoms at the time. Like they just sort of filled the bench with people who were already working. Like with I, I watched it a few years ago, but. Taylor the star. Morgan yeah. Freeman's the president. Ron, what's the one you go to if you feel like you need to watch one? I of these? don't know. I, if I'm gonna, if I'm, if I'm gonna go to something, I don't know if I go to a disaster film like Josh. But that said, if San Andreas is on or yeah, bubbles yeah. up in terms of a recommendation, I likely would click on it. San Andreas, I enjoyed in the theater. I would. It's recent. You gotta love the Rock. San Francisco, like it, it, it checks a lot of boxes for me. I don't think there was ever a movie that made and delivered a promise. Yes, <laughs> right. As well yep. as that yes. film. Yeah. Like that was like this is what this is gonna be, and I was like, I'm pretty psyched for it. And I went saw it. I was like, that's exactly what they gave me. Yep. It was a hundred percent the the promise. You know, what I never finished was the second one he did. I think it was the same director. Skyscraper. Skyscraper. I think Terrible. I watched the beginning of that. And never finished it. It's not good. Yeah. It's a boring movie. San Andreas is terrific. Now, that said, if Titanic is on, I'm also watching that. Sure. Now, one that I didn't watch, which I'm kind of interested in, is Pompeii. I'm looking at that, and I'm thinking... So, it's, yeah. it's got Adebisi. Right. Directed by Paul W.S. Anderson, right? It's, it's the other Paul you know, Anderson. Yeah, exactly. It just seems seems interesting. Kit Harrington's the star. Yeah, yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio's in it as an actor. Oh, Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah. No, it, like, it, Ooh, yeah. It's, that is a group of also Rams. Jared Harris is in it. Carrie you know, Ann Moss. Like, yeah, yeah, so I might dig in and watch Pompeii. This is a bunch of people that went to Canada to shoot a movie. That is almost surely terrible. The tagline it starts Wait a, Har- a young Kit Harrington. I realize you just said this, but I didn't register. Leonardo DiCaprio is the narrator? Yes, he is. The, the tagline the for the film is, no warning, no escape. Interesting that you said this, because there is a movie coming out, Netflix, with Leonardo DiCaprio somehow, and Jennifer Lawrence, and it's a disaster movie. What is it called? God, well, I just saw the trailer for it. What is it called? So it's interesting that that's happening. Netflix is making a disaster film, and they somehow got Leonardo DiCaprio to star in it. 
I do got to say, I, as I'm clicking and looking at these movies, disaster films probably have the best taglines. Oh, for sure. Because you're allowed to go with you're, it. You're allowed you, to go like with you, it. There's a lot of hyperbole. Like, so Deep Impact, Oceans Rise, Cities Fall, Hope Survives. <laughs> that's fantastic. That's, you know, that's like the end of, uh, at the end of uh, San Andreas. It's like, well, we rebuild. Yeah. Right. Like, the, yeah. the Poseidon Adventures tagline, hell, comma, upside down. <laughs> that's great. You don't want to watch that movie? Come on. I'm looking for the unstoppable. Okay, so the movie's called Don't Look Up, and it's nice. about an asteroid coming to for Earth, and it's written and directed by Adam McKay, and it stars Leonardo DiCaprio, oh. Jennifer Lawrence, Timothy Chalamet, wow. Ariana Grande, Jonah Hill, Mark Rylance, Ron Perlman, Kate Blanchett, Meryl Streep, Matthew Perry, Chris Evans. Wow. Michael Chiklis. This is like Netflix is doing the disaster film genre. That's pretty good. Nice. Um, really big people. And it's an original? It just wasn't it's bought somewhere else? Yeah. Wow. What's the disaster? An asteroid coming is coming for Earth. Or it's a comet. A comet's coming. I'm pretty excited about I found the unstoppable tagline. Which is? There's three of them. They're all very similar. Oh, great. One million tons, 100,000 lives, 100 minutes. Or one million tons of steel, 100,000 lives at stake. 100 minutes to impact. That's the better one. Actually, That's pretty good. Yeah, they're actually both of the same. They just changed it. I like the first one. It's shorter. Yeah, but the second one gives you the stakes. Fair enough. Yeah. They're both good. I just think prefer the second one. Yeah, I think you're right, actually. I would recommend <laughs> the movie Volcano's tagline is hotter than hell. Going into the... That's uh, One movie I forgot about, but going into the archive of like the more classic whatever, but The Day After. Yes, Mm-hmm. Jason Robard, Steve Gutenberg, John Lithgow, you know, like I remember watching that like on HBO in like the early 90s or something like that. It was, I was on ABC. Yeah, it was harrowing. It apparently, like, I don't think I realized it at the time, but that movie was incredibly, incredibly influential. Like, yeah. that freaked Reagan out. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it did. In a good yes. way. The, the, t- the tagline for the day after tomorrow is, where will you be? Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> What's San Andreas' tagline? San Andreas' tagline is Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> well, it's not wrong. It's a, not wrong. It's a good joke, Ron. Not wrong. <laughs> Just so I can answer my own question, I would also, given all these choices, and there's a lot of great choices, I would probably go with Day After Tomorrow. It's probably the one I've seen the most out of all these. It's terrific. It's great. But I'd also watch 2012 if it was on. I'd also watch San Andreas if it was on. I'd also watch any number of these. I've actually never seen Greenland. Was that the one you said? Greenland, yeah. I've never seen that one. So... One thing that all those movies that you talked about, every one of them, is about a father mm-hmm. who has been separated yep. by, from his family yep. and divorced. And it's then a Hallmark they, movie. Ha- they find a way to get back together. So here's, here's an interesting thing is that in San Andreas, you find out that the new stepfather, Reed Richards, is, <laughs> is an asshole. Terrible. And he's terrible. He does like the worst. The building falls on him. You're like, good. Yeah, no, like, it's the worst thing. He leaves the girl to die. Yeah. But then over in 2012, what's fun is that it's genius director Tom McCarthy. Yes. And he's a pretty good guy. He's not bad. He they the all get along. Yeah. He's a doctor. He has a Porsche. He had one at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, he's not bad. How do we feel about the movie uh, 2017 film called simply 9-11? No. A starring Charlie Sheen and Whoopi Goldberg. That's a no. Yeah, that's, a no. <laughs> that's a hard no. That's hard. Okay, so San Andreas taglines. Ever have one of those days? Jeez. Oh, Pray you don't. <laughs> Wait, no, no, no. Pray you don't, though, is the best part. Where will you be? Who will you be with? And then, 
and this is actually the good one because it's terrifying. San Andreas. We always knew this day would come. Yeah. Ooh. By the way, people who live in San Francisco did not want to talk no. about the movie San Andreas. I saw I it in San Francisco. Yeah, that was... Uh... Ian Gofold's building that falls down yeah. was directly across the street from my office. No, I re- also, I remember there was a lot of questionable geography in that film when he was uh, yeah, yes. driving the boat through the city. I'm like, that's not the way to get to that neighborhood. <laughs> that's part of yeah, it. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah, of course. Every time you know a city and you watch a movie about that city, the fun part is going, that's not right. right. And it, that is a gift. That's a, that is a Anyone who lives in California is constantly, you know, what was that noise? Was that, is it, is it now? Like, yeah. As well they should be. Yeah. I have my go bag ready to go. And so like San Andreas really freaks you out for that reason. Have either of you seen Greenland? We yeah. just, we just talked about this. Oh, did you? I Literally. missed that. Sorry. I is said it? I hadn't seen it. Josh oh. had seen it. Yeah. Their marriage is, to, they're together. So right. it's healthy at the beginning, which is a bit of a, an off take. But the problem is, is the kid has diabetes, I think, oh. and they get separated from his insulin. So they're all about oh. to get on the ships. He gets called. So basically it's already happened. Right. And oh. and you get like a random call that says you get to come get on the ship. And he's like, cool. Although they're not. They feel bad about it because basically he gets called to be on the ship and all the neighbors don't. And they're like, what the fuck? And then they get there and they find out they don't have his medicine. So they have to go back to the car. Well, that's Deep Impact. That's the whole thing with Deep Impact. Deep Impact yeah, is actually, Josh, you should rewatch that as an adult who likes his movies now because it really delves no, into I, a lot I, of I, the I, politics of who gets to go and stay yeah. in the safe zones and... You know. I think that I, I, whenever I watched it, I mean, it's probably five, six, seven years ago now. I was like, oh, this is really good. You know, I, I don't. It is good. I remember that. I'd it got overshadowed by Armageddon that same year, which I also really liked. Which is not, Armageddon is great. Yeah, Armageddon is good. Yeah. I, I was a big snob at that point. I could probably go back again, but I think if I had to choose between the two. You, I wait, I'm sorry. Can you back up? You were a big snob at that point? Well, we're talking about <laughs> shitty movies now that I can never <laughs> enjoy. I mean, like, like, I walked out of 2012. Wow. Oh, my God. Wow. And I went to see something else. I was Jeez. like, I don't want to watch this because it was just, I just wasn't equipped for silly then. Yeah. I've brought it back in. Now I can appreciate it. It's, it's growth. I don't think you should be upset with me. What annoys me about about the like the bloggers writing like d- disaster film lists and stuff like that is like, I don't include in- Independence Day on this list. No. Right? This is a sci-fi movie, right. right? It's not. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's so, not. Yeah. No, it doesn't count. But like I said in the beginning, it was the first film that sort of opened the door from, from a, yes. a special effects perspective to mm-hmm. being able to really realistically and disturbingly portray mass destruction. So when that movie came There's out... There's elements there. Yeah, I mean, but that movie came out and things started blowing up. You're like, oh shit, this is really visceral. And that led to the door opening for all these movies to happen. And there is no street in front of the Empire State Building. Like yeah, that. right, yeah. Story. The Empire State Building is not on, it's not like the MetLife Building that is on an avenue, yeah. yeah the, do you consider the the Gray a disaster film? That's the Wolves? Yeah. It's a, I'd say it's a small stakes natural. Plane crash in Alaska. Men versus Oil nature. workers are led by skilled huntsmen to survival, but a pack of merciless wolves haunts their every step. I think at the end of the day, a lot of these are going to be man versus nature. Yeah. And that is that, yeah. but it's a, it's a subgenre. What it's about the one, the one with small stakes nature? Mark Wahlberg, this true story about the... Deepwater Horizon? Yeah, Deepwater Horizon. Pretty good flick. First of all, it is a, it is a good flick, yes. But would you consider that a disaster film? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's a, that's a disaster film. I kind of want to watch The, fli- the Flight wrong. of the Phoenix. We can do this all night long. But we've well, no, but do you know about The Flight of the Phoenix, I mean, though? Yes, yes. Jimmy Stewart, Richard Attenborough, Ernest Borgnine. There you go, Ernest Borgnine. Oh, man. He's the key. Yeah. He's, we found the, the Rosetta Stone. The tagline for the Flight of the Phoenix is, its excitement is headed straight for you. <laughs> it, guys, it's straight for you. What year is that? 65? 65. Wow. 
that's one of those like it's right in between all those people yeah, like the different eras. Rebirth, it's considered yeah. a survival drama film and then they remade it yeah in 2004 yeah with dr house yeah all right well that was fun i like talking about disaster movies maybe one fun. day we'll do like a top five we should old men old movies something. Yeah, we should do old men old movies one of these, but they got to pick a seventies one. Maybe let's do the flight of the flight of the Phoenix. We could do a seventies one, or we could go like we we all just talked about the day after tomorrow. That's not I mean, old. Really uh, too soon. It. Too soon. Too too recent. It's not, it's not that. It's yeah. Twenty years ago. Yeah. <laughs> not twenty years ago. Was it twenty? When did it come out? It's two thousand four. Two thousand four. If something is seventeen years old, it's twenty years old. Yeah, uh, too soon. Not in the two thousands. I'd rather go into the seventies. Yeah, I'd rather watch Harry for an hour or something. Yeah. I just watched that. We'll long. have the meeting after the show. Thanks for listening. You can check out, of course, our other podcasts, our weekly Pick of the Week show, where Josh and I talk about the week's comics, Josh's bi-monthly Talksplode interview show, our bi-monthly Booksplode show, where we review a graphic novel. You can listen to Ron's weekly All About Android show. Are there any other shows? That That's missing? it. Then we have other random shows, but those are the main ones you can be checking out. Again, thanks to the patrons at patreon.com slash ifanboy who unlocked this show and a lot of the other content we just mentioned. And that's it for this month's Media Explode. And I really want to go watch San Andreas. And until then, I'm Connor. There's a lot to really dive into this week. I'm Ron. I'm Josh. I'm scared right now. <laughs> it's only a matter of time. That's the tagline for the wave. It's only a matter of time. It's coming right at you. Right. Ever had one of those days? <laughs> Pray you don't. <laughs> it's, it's the end of the world as we know it.